Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to worship you, God, out, outdoors. Father, to lift our voices, to sing your praise, your glory, your honor, because that is who you are. And Father, right now as we turn to your word, to scripture, Father, I just pray that, uh, God, that you would do what only you can do. Father, that you would take these words and that they would fall on fertile soil and they would multiply a hundredfold so that your kingdom can continue to grow on this earth. So God, be with us now as we open up your word and dive in. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at a few verses there specifically verses one through three. So I want to begin by reading that and then I'll break it down for you. Hebrews 12, one through three says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from simple men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. You know, the Hebrew writer describes the Christian life as a race. And we've heard the phrase that, what, it's not a sprint, it's a it's a marathon. We hear that often, but do we ever actually give it any thought? I mean, think about that for a moment. It's a long distance race. And I think for us as runners in this long distance race, the obvious question for us is this, have we ever been tempted to quit? Have we ever been tempted to just throw in the towel and give up? You know, whenever you run a long distance race, there are moments where your side hurts where you get out of breath, your mouth is dry, your muscles ache, maybe you fall down and the temptation is just to throw in the towel and give up. As a church, one of the things that we are committed to is getting people to begin their race with Jesus. We strive for that every week. We offer an invitation every Sunday and we're gonna give you guys an opportunity to respond later on in the service. We love seeing when people begin their race for Jesus. However, the hardest part about faith is not starting the race. That's the easy part. The hardest part is actually staying with it continuing to run no matter what until Jesus comes back or until the day that we die, we keep running that race. We all know what it's like to start something with energy and enthusiasm, but then to let it fizzle out, don't we? We all know what that's like, right? Maybe you tell yourself, I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to keep my temper. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to start running. I'm going to get organized. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to be intentional with my kids. I'm going to start discipling them. While we start off with lots of enthusiasm and energy, we start off with the best intentions. You and I know what happens more often than not. We become tired and weary, and a lot of times we just kind of quit. We shrug it off and say, oh, better luck next time. I'll start something later. 
right? Dieting is an example. We all have been on different diets. Anybody been on a diet before? I've been on a couple different diets. And it starts off great. And then I see McDonald's or I see Taco Bell, and I just kind of give in to that temptation, right? And we, and we quit. This gazebo is another example. It's been used for hundreds and hundreds of marriage ceremonies. Couples come before God and they commit their lives to one another. They'll hold hands. They'll often cry as they make vows for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Never would they imagine that on a hot summer day, he would be loading up his personal stuff in the truck and leaving for good. Or that she would leave a note on the kitchen counter saying, I don't love you anymore, it's over. They can't imagine that that will happen as they stand here and make their commitments before God and before their family and friends. But if you fast forward a few years and a few hardships later, before long, that commitment that was so strong in the beginning, it starts to wane. It starts to fade. But perhaps the greatest commitment, and I would argue that the greatest commitment any person can ever make, is committing their life to following Jesus every day. And those people who've made that commitment, we've said, Lord, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. But I must tell you what saddens me as a pastor, and I've been doing this for 15 years, is the number of friends, the number of people that I've helped lead to Christ that make that decision, and then trouble comes, and they start to doubt, they start to question, and before long, they've totally given up. They've quit on God, and that breaks my heart. You know, I don't know where your relationship with Jesus is right now, but the stats say that there will be at least a few who are here on the square six months, two years, maybe five years, you're going to be in that same boat. You may even throw in the towel and quit on God because life has gotten hard, because something happened to you or to your faith walk or to your family. Well, you know what? I don't want to see that happen to anyone. I want us all to stay in the race for the long haul. So for the next few moments, we just want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to challenge you from God's word about how we cannot quit, how we're never going to quit. So this passage of scripture that I just read, Hebrews chapter 12, it begins with these words, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that word therefore, it refers back to what the writer said and wrote in the previous chapter, chapter 11. And if you're familiar with scripture, then you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. He lists all these people who now make up this amazing cloud of witnesses, people who are cheering us on. And the idea is for runners to picture ourselves down on the track. We're running on the track, but this great cloud of witnesses, they're up in heaven and they are watching us. They're not only watching us, they are cheering for us every single difficult step of the way. So I want us to do something real quick. If you could just stand with me for a few moments and I wanna share with you some of these runners or some of these people who are up, up top and they're cheering for us. And I want you to be encouraged by their race. In the stands cheering for us right now was Noah. 
Do you know how long it took Noah to build the ark? 120 years. That's 120 years of being mocked, being ridiculed, being called names because nobody believed him. He was the crazy guy. That's 120 years of Noah preaching to everybody around him. Hey, you need to repent. You need to turn to God because this is what's going to happen. And he didn't get one single convert. 120 years. I think Noah would be looking at us right now running our race and he would say, I know what it's like to have a world think you're crazy for being obedient to God, but you must stay the course. There's also Joseph. More than once, Joseph must have said to God, what in the world are you doing? Because a lot of things went wrong in Joseph's life. He was sold as a slave by his own brothers. He was put into prison for a crime he didn't commit. He was completely abandoned and forgotten about. Maybe Joseph would say to you, I know what it feels like to feel hopeless. I know what it's like to feel forgotten by God, but God has not forgotten you. As sure as I went from the prison to the palace, God is working all things out for your good. So you stay the course. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. And Moses is also in the stands and he is cheering hard for us. He was called to this impossible task of confronting the Pharaoh of Egypt, the ruler of Egypt, and then leading his people, the Israelites, out of the desert into the promised land. And I think he's watching you run right now and he would say, I know what it's like to run a race where you feel inadequate because that was me. I had a speech impediment. I stuttered. I had low self-confidence. I was not able on my own, but I knew a God who was. That God is the great I am, and he is with you just as he was with me. So you keep running. The promised land will come. We read about Rahab the prostitute and Jacob and Gideon and Abraham, and Samuel, and David. None of them ran a perfect race. And you need to understand that they all fell from time to time. But what set them apart was that they got back up and they kept running and they took another step. And that is why they are mentioned in this Faith Hall of Fame. And that chapter ends verse 36 and 37. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, it says this. Some of them faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put into prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and in holes in the ground. Friends, every time I read that passage, I am inspired to keep going and to not give up so when you feel tired when you feel like this race is too long because it will be long you remember those who were in the stands watching you cheering for you in fact they're not just people in the stands watching you there are others right here with you that are encouraging right now and they're so thankful that you showed up to be here so just real quick fist bump or high five somebody beside you that you don't know maybe and say I am glad you're in this race with me say I'm glad you're in this race with me come on get moving tell them let them know you're glad they're in this race with you because we're all in this together we've got people in the stands cheering for us 
but we also have each other encouraging and supporting and uplifting one another as well. You can go ahead and have a seat. In the next few verses of Hebrews, three different times, we read the words, let us. Each time those words appear together, it is followed by a directive that will help us run this race and never quit. The first one is verse one. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Y'all say that with me. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Now the word hinders here, it actually refers, uh, it's a noun that refers to any kind of weight. It's not necessarily talking about a sin. He actually says that in the next phrase. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So instead of just referring to sin, that's the obvious thing that we all see that slows us down. The writer says, you know what? There's some other things that can slow us down that can prevent us from running this race the way that God wants us to. And they may even be good things. Someone once said, we must get rid of the good if it keeps us from what's best. So the question that we have to answer is, what are some of those things that hinder you from running the race God wants you to? Think about that for a moment. What are some of the things that are hindering you from running the race that God has planned for you to run? Maybe it's a hobby, something you love to do, but it just takes up too much of your time and your energy and it gets you distracted from your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's a personal relationship with someone else that's pulling you away from Christ. Maybe it's material possessions or the pursuit of material possessions. Maybe it's this job offer that you know might be good for you financially, but you know it's going to hurt you spiritually. What is it for you that is distracting you from running the race God wants you to run? I think the people who read Hebrews, they had some things that were hindering them as well because the writer addresses this two chapters earlier in Hebrews chapter 10. The fact that they weren't putting God first when it came to church and meeting with other believers. Verse 10, it says this, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, he's encouraging us to make sure that church is a non-negotiable. If you want to run this race with perseverance, if you want to run and not quit, then you need a place where you can come and get your spiritual batteries recharged. You know, the University of Michigan, they did a study that said for the last 20 years, church attendance has been on the decline. And that was no surprise to me. I'm sure we can all see that. Church attendance has been in decline. But what's fascinating is the reason why. It wasn't because people just gave up church altogether. Rather, it was because they came, but they just came less frequently. So they would come if they didn't have a sporting event or if the weather was nice. They would come if they, the game wasn't on. They would come if there was nothing else better to do. Basically, church attendance in our society today is very low on the priority poll. Well, I want to challenge you to say for us, for me, for my family, church is going to be non-negotiable. Why does that matter? Why is that important? 
It's because you and I, every day, we are being beat. We are being uh, hammered by the world. We're being confronted with materialism, with greed, with selfishness, with identity confusion, with mean-spirited attitudes, with cultural propaganda, with comparison traps. It's literally everywhere we turn, even right in this square. That's why it's so important for you and I to be connected to a church family because we need other people in our circle encouraging us to keep running this race. Satan wants us to get alone. He wants us to be solo because then he's got us. Then we're gonna give up and quit because we often don't pay attention to Moses and Joseph and Noah up in the stands cheering for us. But when we have somebody beside of us walking this journey with us, that makes all the difference. So if someone's here tonight and you don't have a church home, we just want you to know that you're more than welcome to join us at Northside. Everybody is welcome. We've got a campus here in Medina, just two miles away. We've also got a campus in Wadsworth, so join us. The point is this. We have to throw off everything that hinders, even if it's good, and the sin that so easily entangles. We're called to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to never give up. Sometimes... Sin is going to knock us down, but we can't allow it to knock us out. You know, the truth is every single person here, we've all got baggage, don't we? We've all stumbled. We all have sin that has kind of gotten us off course, but we can't let sin become an excuse for our relationship or lack of relationship with God. See, he's already forgiven us through his son, Jesus, for everything we've done, everything that we're doing, and everything that we're going to do. So don't let sin be the thing that drags you out of this race. We all have scars, we've all have fallen, but we must get up, set aside the sin, and keep running. The second phrase the writer says is this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Everybody say perseverance. You know what that means? It means endurance. It's this never quit attitude. Maybe some of you today feel like giving up. Maybe you thought when you became a Christian, life was just going to be all roses and unicorns. Anybody think that when they first gave their life to Christ? Maybe you knew better. A couple of us thought that, right? I think that's the biggest misconception about our faith walk. We all think, yeah, God... He's got me. He's going to take care of me. Everything's going to be great for me and for my family as long as I follow him. No, that's not actually true. Many of you have already discovered that even though you're following Christ, there is still a ton of heartache that you have to walk through. Maybe cancer claimed the life of a loved one. Maybe that divorce still went through. Maybe your child still got sick. Maybe you never got that good paying job that you were promised. Maybe you didn't get into the school that you wanted to. You start to think to yourself, God, this isn't what I signed up for. Why am I doing this? Why are you letting this happen? I thought my life was going to be better if I decided to follow you. I'm told that in the Boston Marathon, there's a hill called Heartbreak Hill. Runners arrive at this hill right around mile marker 19. And Heartbreak Hill, it's actually the steepest and the longest of all the hills in this race. 
It's so hard on these world-class runners because by the time they get to mile 19, they have already hit the wall physically. And when you hit the wall, your body is completely depleted of glycogen that is stored in your muscles, and it gets replaced with lactic acid, which means that your muscles are now screaming for oxygen. It literally feels like your lungs and every muscle in your body is on fire. Some people have described it as like this feeling that you just want to die. You cannot go on anymore. So they hit the wall before they get to the hardest hill in the entire course. And you know what that does for these runners? It tests their commitment to the race. It tests their commitment to the race. In your Christian life, there's going to be many heartbreak hills. Even though you're a follower of Christ, that path for you is not going to be level. It's rarely going to be easy. In fact, Jesus told us himself, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. There's going to be heartbreak. But Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So when those moments come, I just want to challenge you, do not give up. Can you help me for a moment? Maybe even help yourself right now. I'm going to say a sentence to those that maybe are ready to quit. Maybe you're here tonight and you're ready to throw in the towel. So when I say this, these phrases, I want you to shout out as loud as you can, never give up. Okay? So everybody stand with me. Everybody stand with me. Let's do a little practice round. I want you to say, never give up on three. One, two, three. All right, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think we can do a little bit better. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to read some phrases, and I want you to say that out loud. Sometimes in this race, you will feel like God is not close enough. So when you feel that way, what should you do? Sometimes you will question your faith. So what should you do when you question? Sometimes you will feel unworthy. And when you feel like that, what should you do? Sometimes Christians will let you down and they will hurt you. What should you do? Sometimes you will stand alone for your beliefs and you will feel like you are on an island. So what should you do? Sometimes you will be frustrated with the ugliness of your own sin. And when you have those realizations, what should you do? Sometimes you will get tired of remaining faithful to God. And when that time comes, what should you do? Friends, I want you to know that no matter what, no matter what hardship, no matter what difficulty comes your way, you must never, ever give up on God because he has never, ever given up on you. He has never given up on you. Can we give God a praise for that? I so desperately want you to say at the end of your life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And thanks to Jesus, I have kept the faith. So you run with perseverance this race, and you never give up. The only way to finish well, and I'll close with this, the only way to finish well is to keep your focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2, let us fix our eyes. Somebody say fix our eyes. Fix our eyes. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You consider him. You focus on him. You look to him who endured such opposition from simple men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. So please remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. He's the only reason. He's the only way that you're going to be able to endure this marathon called the Christian faith. And there's anybody here this evening that wants to start that race tonight, I would be privileged and honored to talk to you. I'm going to be waiting right up here. We're going to sing a couple more songs. We're going to get our worship back on. But if you have a decision to make for Jesus, please come meet me up front.